It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today we'll be talking with Tarek Abdelzahar. He's a professor of computer science with an emphasis on cyber-physical systems at the University of Illinois. He leads a group of researchers studying how information spreads through social media and the effects that information has on people's beliefs as it moves. And that particular project uh, began as part of a $4 million Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA grant, uh, that got that project started. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much for having me on your program. Well, I want to start uh, broadly in talking about cyber-physical systems because I know that the, that is a particular passion to you. Just talk about that in general. And, uh, you know, it seems like we're entering into a phase where there's so many applications that we haven't even begun to touch on. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there is um, uh, a lot of interest, uh, and it has been for maybe 10 or more years, uh, in this area of cyber-physical systems. Uh, this is an area where computing equipment is interacting uh, with uh, the physical world. You know, computers sort of affect the physical world in some ways. And I'm especially interested in cyber-physical systems where the system is also interacting with people. Uh, we have computing technology everywhere now. Uh, everything is becoming smarter. Everything is becoming microprocessor enabled. The typical devices like uh, phones, like, like cars, you know, cars now have hundreds of computers. Things that weren't thought of as computing machines are essentially computing machines now. The car is more of a computing machine uh, than it is a, a mechanical system today. Uh, planes. The, all of these are examples of cyber-physical systems, and, and we use them every day. So, so these systems exist in social spaces. So now this interaction between people, the physical engineered technology, and computing creates a lot of very interesting research challenges. And those are the challenges that we address in this cyber-physical systems group. So we ta we're talking about... Um, we're talking about maybe not necessarily machines talking to other machines, but machines talking to people and how we interact uh, with them. Absolutely. It's, it's the interaction of engineered components, uh, computational components, and people. Uh, now, how do people interact with the technology? How do the engineered components interact with the computing pieces? Uh, what behavior evolve, how do you model that? Because the models of engineered components are very, very different from the models of, let's say, computational algorithms, and those are very, very different from the models of um, humans. And so if you want to understand the behavior of the system overall, how do you even model it? So I'll give you an example. Let's say we're talking about transportation in a smart city, and we want to make that transportation more fuel efficient. Now, you have to understand the engineering component there, which is the, the fuel efficiency of cars. Cars are engineered systems. They burn fuel to move. Uh, you have to understand that part. But you also have to understand the driver, because the choices that are made by the driver will affect fuel consumption. Will the driver go this route or this other route? Will they accelerate quickly? Will they hit the brakes? Will they go stop and go or go smoothly? The behavior of the driver is important. 
And then the interaction between all these things. And if you understand that, then you might build computational components that can help you save the overall fuel footprint of transportation in the smart city. But if you can't model some of the components, you're really not doing a good job of that optimization. So it's an interesting problem. It arises in very different contexts. And studying it needs multidisciplinary teams, uh, which is the type of projects that we have in our lab. So does it affect then behavior? Because if I can see that uh, the way I drive, for instance, uh, we're not getting as good a fuel mileage, but if I drive a different way, I'm going to get better fuel mileage. Can then you change the behavior of, of people that way? Absolutely. And I mean, the goal is to indeed influence the, the human in the loop. If the human sees what the impact of their behavior is, if I can expose that a little bit, and clearly they're motivated by things like saving money on gas, they will probably change their behavior. And so some of the questions would be, how do I best give that feedback to the human? What type of controls do I give them back? Uh, how, how is the interaction through these controls and this feedback, how is that driving the system towards perhaps better performance? Well, at the end, I, wa I want you to touch on the uh, Internet of uh, Battlefield things because I think that, um, and that'll be part of another program, but uh, we're going to put that aside for now and talk specifically about this particular study. Why was, uh, why was DARPA interested uh, and to give you $4 million for this research project for social media? It seems uh, very interesting that they would. So social media is indeed um, a, a different uh, angle uh, for my lab. We've been uh, working a lot with cyber physical systems. We've been working a lot with sensors and sensor networks because any type of physical system needs sensors to interact uh, uh, with the world. Any type of computational system that interacts with the physical world needs sensors. Um, and then it occurred to us that, uh, well, people on social media um, it's always like a new, it's almost like a new sensing modality. Um, if you look at something like Twitter, people on Twitter say things about the physical world, much like sensors would say things about the physical world. So can I think of Twitter as a new sensing medium? Uh, it turns out that I can, and it turns out that that analogy uh, allows me to think of social media almost as new materials. Like I have conductors that conduct electricity, and I, and, I, and I have materials that conduct heat, and social media conduct information. Can I understand the properties of these conductors? Can I understand how information spreads? Just the way I might understand how temperature or heat spreads through, through a room or through, through a physical thing. What can I do with that? If I understand that, what can I do with it? These are all very interesting questions. And, um, and that also caught the interest of DARPA because DARPA is interested in how information and perhaps misinformation spreads on social media, how it can be used, and, and maybe how it can be misused by our adversaries because we need to combat that. We need to be able to defend ourselves against that if a foreign state, for example, tries to use a misinformation campaign to influence our thinking. So we need to understand how that works. We need to understand how to combat that. And that's how that project started. Well, we're seeing that. And I don't want to touch a lot on the political realm, but uh, how perhaps uh, forces from another country can influence uh, the thought of 
people in, in this country, it, uh, whether the information is correct or not, sometimes is, is irrelevant, but they can certainly interject themselves in a way to, to make a difference in the way people think. Indeed. So DARPA is the Defense Advanced Project Research Agency. So the D stands for defense. And uh, in order to defend yourself against something, you always need to understand what threat that something imposes. And information seems to be the new battlefield. Uh, how do we defend ourselves against essentially misinformation? That becomes a defense problem, and that be becomes a problem that DARPA would be interested in. And it really goes back to this analogy that I said. If I understand how a signal spreads through a medium, if I understand how noise gets introduced or perturbations get introduced, um, I understand how to use that medium better and how to prevent it from being misused. And that's what we're trying to do with social media. We're trying to understand how information spreads through them. We're trying to understand how misinformation spreads. Um, we have good models, for example, for how a flu might spread in a community, how um, an epidemic might be caused. We have good understanding of how to vaccinate people to prevent the flu from spreading. We don't have similar understanding of how misinformation might spread and what do I have to do to prevent that. So talk about your modalities a little bit. How did exactly um, you went about this study, what, uh, you know, how, how you went about trying to, to find the answers to these questions? So um, my background is in embedded computing, and um, I um, have been indeed studying um, a little bit more on, on the physical side, uh, and, and so that's how I got interested in this. Um, we, on our team, have um, people from at least five different disciplines. We have um, a data mining person, so Professor Jai Wei Han, who is one of the leading world experts on data mining, is, is on our team. Uh, clearly, since social media um, offers a lot of data, being able to understand data mining is critical. We also have um, uh, Professor David Nickel from the Information Trust Institute, uh, he's an expert on trust uh, and reliability. Uh, so since we're worried about trust in information, reliability of information, that piece of expertise is, is essential to the team. But we also have people from the physics department. So our uh, partners from uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI, include Professor George, uh, Georgi Kurnis, who is a physicist. And uh, the idea being that Perhaps social media aren't that different from physical materials. And a physicist understands how physical materials propagate stimuli, like, for example, how a conductor would propagate electricity. So that expertise turns out to be extremely useful in understanding how information might spread on a social medium. Then we have Professor Borislav Szymanski, who is a social media expert. And so he actually studies social networks. He understands how they evolve. He understands how they change. He understands the type of human biases and trust relations and influences that are at play here in, in, in creating these dynamics. Um, and then we have me, you know, the cyber-physical guy. And so together, I think this team is brought to address the problem of information propagation. How do you model it? How do you prevent sort of misuse of it? And just generally understanding the laws 
of that propagation. Are there laws there? You know, are there equivalents? Is there an equivalence with physical laws of nature? Is there a physical law of information propagation on social media? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but that's something that we're interested in exploring. Well, and certainly uh, the medium has got to matter, uh, which we speak social media in general terms, but obviously information spreads much differently on Twitter than it would, say, on a, on a, on a web page or a, or a blog or on, on uh, Facebook or whatever, whatever uh, your social media choice is. And so I would guess that your study has something to do with how information spreads on, on each one of those mediums because they, they're, all, they're all unique in their own way. So that's a very, very good observation indeed. You know, something that might spread on Facebook m uh, might spread very differently from the way it might spread on, on Twitter uh, and, and Instagram. Uh, but on the other hand, science is about understanding what's generalizable. You know, what are the fundamental bases? What are the foundations? What is sort of generalizable and reproducible across many, many different types of instances? So physics, for example. Well, physics applies to, to a lot of different things. It's, it's, it's not that every physical system has its own different physics. And similarly, we hope to uncover that indeed there is something generalizable across the different social media. It's not the case that every social medium has its own rules. Uh, it may spread the information differently, the connectivity might be different, but, the under, but there is something underlying that that is perhaps uniform and more, more, more generally represented. And so that generally represented model is we are after, and then how do we customize that model to the individual social networks is something that we also need to understand. Well, and I would think that as important as anything is how do I interject into a conversation? So if I am a company, for instance, or in this case, uh, Department of Defense, um, and there are, there's information being spread through social media, how can I interject? Where can I interject that can perhaps change the opinions or the information that's out there? So I would think that would be an important piece to your puzzle. So, so clearly there are a lot of interesting applications uh, such as what you mentioned uh, and uh, such as advertising in general, you know, how, how, do I, how do I actually communicate a message to people? And um, we think that the way to communicate a message has changed over the years. Um, and social media creates a landmark change in the way messages spread. Before social media, if you wanted to spread a message on a large scale, well, you had to be a TV channel or a radio channel or a newspaper because that was your means to broadcast. And without that, you couldn't really do uh, uh, dissemination at large scale. Social media changed that fundamentally. They essentially democratized information broadcast. Now I can sit at my home and tweet and my Twitter message will be perceived by the whole world. Anybody can, can read it. Anybody can see the message that I uploaded to Instagram. So we all have broadcast capabilities now. Anybody can have a YouTube channel. I have a nine-year-old son and he wants a YouTube channel. Anybody can have a YouTube channel now. So we fundamentally changed information broadcast. How does that affect people? Well, it has a lot of interesting implications. One is 
all these broadcast channels now vie on people's attention. But I can't dedicate attention to all these things. So I have to somehow filter information. So people filter information differently now because they have so many choices. They have a lot more choice. A lot of the time we end up filtering it by looking at information that agrees with our own biases and beliefs. And what that ends up doing is creating essentially echo chambers. I get together with like-minded individuals and we essentially bounce off the same ideas off of each other and are in our own bubble and then other people would have uh, another bubble. So how does that affect the way a message can spread across these bubbles? How does that affect society in general? Does it, for example, promote radicalization? Because if I have radical beliefs, I'll be able to find somebody else with those radical beliefs half across the globe because I have a better communication medium. How does that affect societal problems? Or does that contribute to problems? Does that contribute to solutions? All of that needs to be understood, analyzed, put on scientific foundations so that we know how to use that medium. Well, and it certainly makes it hard to regulate because you don't want to have the appearance that you're regulating the information, but uh, from a defense standpoint, um, they have to be really sensitive about information and how it's spread and whether the information is correct and what action that these individuals might take based on the information that's going through social media. Indeed. I mean, individuals have rights. Those rights need to be maintained. We have a right to privacy. Um, for example, and that um, needs to be uh, protected. But even if you talk about how do you protect privacy, well, to, to protect privacy, we need to understand what is the threat to privacy. You know, how can information be misused? And if you understand that, then we can better protect privacy. For example, when computers first came out and uh, somebody would be asked, hey, write your credit card number here and send it across, the, uh, across to, to the bank, it became understood soon that if that connection is not encrypted, you maybe are in danger because anybody can read that plain text. And so we learned not to send sensitive information in plain text. But that was something that somebody had to tell us because we weren't uh, familiar with that technology earlier. And so this is now a new technology that is evolving at a very fast pace. What are things that we shouldn't be doing? What are things that we could be doing? What are things that are dangerous to do? What are things that would violate our privacy if they, if, or, or may lead to privacy violations? These are very interesting questions. They need more. Um, some of the answers are not that actually uh, straightforward. And so we need to dig into it a little bit to even understand how do we protect ourselves from uh, violations to the values that we hold dear, such as privacy, such as freedoms, uh, and such as uh, the ch choice to do what we want. We've ta spent uh, a lot of time here talking about the nuances. I want to give you a chance to talk about what you've discovered so far. Where are you, first off, in the study? Um, and what do you have to go? And what are some of the uh, results that you're starting to see? So uh, it, it's been a very interesting uh, journey, and um, uh, I should also maybe uh, qualify that by saying that uh, we um, uh, are at the beginning of that project, so the project started uh, just last fall, um, and so um, we are uh, still in the process of discovery. But um, initial results really show that um, I can indeed model um, social media 
not unlike I, uh, the models of, of physical media. So let me, let me explain that analogy a little bit more. Um, let's say an object moves through land, you know, physical object moves on, 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 on a phys in, a, in a physical medium. It, it's, it's, it influences the medium. It, for example, creates sound waves. It's, uh, it creates vibration waves. And those waves propagate through the medium. They get perturbed. You know, the, the sounds get attenuated after a certain distance, uh, maybe bounces off of obstacles, creates echoes. Um, and we understand how that happens. We understand how the sound propagates. We understand about echo. So if, if we put a sensor, a microphone, and it hears those echoes, it can eliminate the echo, and it can figure out where the target really actually is. And that we call signal processing. So we, we understand how to do signal processing on these physical signals like sound, like vibrations. And what we've, what we've began to realize is that indeed we can write a library of signal processing algorithms that do to information signals what uh, physical signal processing does to sound and, and vibrations. We essentially now can model information spread through social media, almost the way you model the way sound spreads through physical media. And we can do signal processing to understand from the received signal what was the actual original signal before it got perturbed and before it bounced around and created all the echoes. What was the original one? That is actually a fact-finding challenge. You, you essentially understand what really happened in the physical world that caused all the bubble that you see on the social media. So it's kind of like a, a big game of telephone, if you will. Uh, one message gets uh, transferred uh, and then somebody else reads it a different way and by the time it gets to the 15th person, it may be a completely different message than the intended uh, person intended for. Yes, that's a wonderful analogy. And, and the, the thing is, if you actually understand, for example, something about how the ear misrepresents sounds, then you can go back and kind of reverse engineer what the original word must have been from the misspelled, misrepresented word that you heard at the very end. And that's kind of what we want to do with social media. We want to understand what reality must have. We want to create this device that you can think of it as the macroscope of reality. You look into it and you see what really happened from the way it was described on social media. Now that's one application. There's another fascinating application. Today, you know, speaking of sound, you can uh, map the ocean floor, for example, by simply observing echoes, the way it, it sort of, uh, you know, the way echoes bounce around on the ocean floor or sonar maybe bounces around, you can actually map the ocean floor. And so the other question is, well, the way information echoes through the blogosphere, the way information echoes through the social medium, what does that tell me about delay of the social terrain, if you will, about delay of, of, delay of the land, delay of this, the, the society, the culture, the underlying um, individuals involved. And uh, it turns out that I can learn a lot about culture, about beliefs, from the way people essentially bounce around information on social media. And that's another application. And maybe if I understand other cultures, I can better uh, communicate with them, we can be sort of happier in our uh, coexistence. And, and that's another application that might come out of this project. Well, I'm interested, when you, you mentioned modeling, uh, because I would, we all do, uh, those of us that uh, use social media to uh, spread news and, and um, 
sell products or whatever, or to convince our uh, consumer to have a certain behavior. Uh, and we use analytics to to measure all kinds of things, uh, click-throughs, and um, you know how many. Uh, post led to a particular action that we're looking for, that sort of thing. But I would think as you study this more, your modeling can be almost precise about the information that you want out there, how you want to uh, to send it, who you want it to react, what to, what's going to be the, the next steps down the line, and that can really help in terms of strategy when it comes to using social media. Yeah, so the goal is maybe twofold. One is we want to create transparency. We want people to understand what is it that can be in fact harvested from the footprints that they leave on social media. Mm -hmm. And that's one of us. And, and so we need to understand ourselves what can be harvested and, and what can be done with it. And then we need to uh, expose that. We need to tell people about it so that they are informed and then make their own choices. Because I think it relates to important things like privacy. Um, you know, does, let me ask a question. Does, does the royal family in the UK, do they have privacy? Do celebrities have privacy? Now they, they go out, and every time they go out, cameras snap in public places. Um, but then their, their all life is, is sort of on tape somewhere. And I think with social media, we have all become celebrities. We are not needles in the haystack anymore. We are all in the spotlight because the public footprint that we leave in things like public tweets leave so much information about us that we are indeed stars. And uh, that profile can be used in good ways, you know, to, for example, help us get the type of things that we want, you know, buy the type of TV that we like. Or it can be used in bad ways, like trying to influence us to do something that is perhaps not very good at, uh, for us, but, but, but it's, the argument might be made more convincingly if the person making the argument understands how we think. So we need to expose both the good side and the bad side so that people can make their own informed choices. The other thing is people will try to misuse information. Um, information that we are subjected to will get contaminated. And to protect ourselves, we need to know how to design sort of filters against contamination of information so that I could put that filter on my computer and it will give me better information now. How to design that filter? I know how to design a water filter. It will give me clean water. Uh, you know, then I don't have to worry about contamination in my water pipe. But how to design a, an information filter? That mm -hmm. is something that our project hopes to uncover. I think, uh, and I, the numbers I, I don't have exactly correct, but something like... Um, of the information that is that's false tends to travel 60% faster than information that happens to be true. Are, are you are you finding something similar in 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 your study as well? Yeah. So that there's been those are very. I mean, it's it's very interesting that you said that because there is indeed studies like that that uh, you know bad bad information spreads faster than good information. There is actually. I think uh, an evolutionary evolutionary reason for that. I mean, we evolved. We, we are um, the product of evolution. And so behaviors that were good from an evolutionary perspective um, are behaviors that we learn to do and, and behaviors that we adopt. Um, and so if there's a threat, bad things going to happen, and you spread that information, that tends to protect the tribe. Mm -hmm. So evolutionary, you know, spreading that behavior faster actually has an advantage than saying, oh, everything's okay, you know, apples are growing on the trees. 
uh, that doesn't really necessarily protect the tribe. So I think maybe there are fundamental reasons why we behave the way we behave, why certain types of information spreads faster. It's almost like laws of physics, because these are laws that are sort of chiseled by evolution. Mm -hmm. And if we can understand them and if we can uh, model them, then we have a much better, um, we have a much better handle on how to perhaps develop the filters that I mentioned about against misinformation and how to exploit, um, uh, how to explore, I guess, vulnerabilities um, that we may be subjected to and, and how to prevent exploitation of these vulnerabilities by bad agents. Well, certainly the term fake news is, is, a, is a popular thing um, over the last uh, couple of years when in terms of what's true and what's false. But I just, I want to expand on that a little bit and say um, there are certain uh, social media uh, entities that we would say, hey, we trust this person, these, this organization, more than we trust that person. Therefore, if they give us this information, we tend to trust that as true as opposed to something coming from another organization or another individual. And I would guess that uh, that comes into play as well. So I think that trust, uh, you know, hierarchies are, are, uh, do, do indeed play an important role in propagating information. And uh, a lot of the time, the way misinformation spreads is, is that um, the, the, the source, the, the, the entity that spreads the misinformation sort of impersonates somebody that you trust. Um, and you say, oh, wow, you know, CNN or, or Fox or whoever, you, you know, said this, so it must be true. And, well, perhaps we need in place better tools to establish true provenance of things. Who really said that? Who really paid for that ad? Mm -hmm. This type of provenance lineage can help us better assess uh, trust in information so that we are not vulnerable to misuse right. by impersonation and spoofing. Right. So a little self-awareness. I think that perhaps people don't realize all the influences that uh, we're, we're just not aware of, of those that uh, produce particular news to, uh, you know, that we trust one over the other, but becoming aware of how social media spreads uh, maybe guard us from, from believing things that we shouldn't believe. Yeah, even as something as simple as saying that, okay, this ad was, for, for example, paid for by uh, Bulgaria. Well, then that gives me one impression versus, you know, it, it's paid for by the Department of State. And uh, uh, just knowing that will already help me make more informed decisions. And I think it really is about making informed decisions. You know, people are free to believe what they want. They are free to listen to what they want. Um, but they should be informed so that when they listen to these sources, they make the right conclusions. Okay. What's, uh, what's next on the study? What else do we need to know? Um, how, many, how much longer do you have? Um, and then what other studies do you want to build from this one? Well, like I said, we um, are just at the beginning of this particular project. Uh, the project goes for four years. We want to compare different types of social media, um, going back to one of the questions of whether things spread on Twitter the same way that they spread on Facebook or, or uh, Instagram. Uh, there's probably something fundamental across the board that sort of goes back to our evolutionary kind of instincts, and, and that will distill first but then how it manifests in different social media is going to be different, and so that is something that we want to understand next. How to use that, how to actually 
build value out of it? You know, how do you build, in fact, that, that filter of information? How do you empower people to have better control on the quality of information that they're subjected to? I think that's an important set of tools that we want to develop. How do we create better transparency on the web so that we understand better who the real sources of the information were? That's another tool set that we want to uh, develop. How we empower people to better protect their own privacy. You know, what is it that they need to know? What is it that they uh, are advised to do if they want to protect certain aspects of their privacy? I think that's another tool set that we can develop, and so that's what's in the works next. Okay. And I would think from a personal perspective, <clears throat> I want to know how I can find out everything I need to know through social media and not spend three or four hours a day doing it. Uh, do you... Are, are there models there that can say, I can spend 20 or 30 minutes a day, get all the information I need off my social media, and then go about living my, <laughs> living my life? Absolutely. One of the key tool chains that we're trying to develop is indeed uh, one that sort of summarizes large amounts of information for you. So we are uh, in an age of broadcast. Everybody is broadcasting everything. There is no way we can keep up with that without <coughs> tools that help us summarize the essence, the gist of the information. And those tools can embed in them uh, filters that we can configure to, to sort of empower us to control what type of information we want to focus on. We are trying to build those tools, uh, and if we're successful, you will be able to, in five minutes, get the gist of what's going on from you know, millions and millions of posts on social media. So I'm going to leave the folks with a cliffhanger because I want you to uh, I want you to kind of tease a little bit your uh, the battlefield uh, um, study that you're doing, and we're going to bring you back to talk a little bit about that, uh, almost kind of a part two down the road. But uh, give a uh, kind of Cliff Notes version of that, and then we'll bring you back for another show to, to go uh, a little bit deeper into that. Absolutely. So like I said, my uh, original background is in the cyber physical systems, uh, physical systems that interact with uh, you know, engineered components and, 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 and computation. One of the big uh, um, buzzwords, if you will, in, in, in that space right now is, is, is the IoT, the Internet of Things. And so the Internet of Things um, allows us to automate many aspects of our life, uh, you know, homes, cars, and environments, schools. Um, but uh, more recently, um, the Army, the U.S. Army, has gotten interested in understanding how we can use IoT technology to essentially automate and improve um, the, much of the functions of the battlefield. Uh, a new program was started. It's called the Internet of Battlefield Things. Uh, one award uh, was uh, made nationally, and our team got that award. And so that's the other project that we're working on. We're developing an Internet of Battlefield Things. More precisely, we're developing the scientific foundations uh, for that particular engineering artifact. And um, yes, it's an exciting project. I'd be happy to talk about that in, a, in, in, a few, in the future. Well, and we look forward to that. Um, Tarek uh, Abdelzahar is, uh, has been our guest. We appreciate you taking time uh, to talk a little bit about uh, your study in terms of social media. Very interesting. Um, and as the study, you mentioned this is a four-year study. We certainly want to have you back maybe uh, somewhere in the middle and somewhere at the end to, to kind of get more uh, of your results on this because this touches on a lot of people. Well, thank you very much for having me. I definitely enjoyed it and would, would love to come back. 
All right. I'm Mike Kuhn, a host of Illinois Innovators. Thank you for joining us. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corpse of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.